episode of Threads of Enlightenment. As usual, this is one of my favorite space right here because I want to thank our guests because I know they're coming with a couple of things I deem very, very expensive time. Uh, Dave, thank you for coming and sharing that commodity. Most people do not understand the value of it, how to cherish it, how to utilize it in their life. And um, those that are utilizing it, and I understand the value of it. So I want to thank you for coming and sharing that with us. The other is your journey. Your journey has some powerful uh, lessons that made you who you are today. This uh, warrior, this enlightened individual, this humble man that is able now to impart onto all of us who are here listening to him and hearing him so that we can become better human spirits while we occupy this beautiful place called Earth. Dave, thank you so much for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. It's excellent, man. Tell the folks, because I know you have a, a dossier and, and to, to tell, talk to them about what you do. How do you serve others, if you will? Well, uh, we literally create some of the most powerful, life-changing, paradigm-shifting experiences in America. And, and we have done many events um, internationally as well. And we do that um, through a couple of different experiences. One of them, which I'm pretty well known for, is the Firewalk experience. Mm -hmm. And this, of course, is where people literally walk across hot coals. Um, and then we have other experiences as well. Obviously, uh, Firewalk isn't always logistically possible. So when a company contacts us or an entrepreneur, business owner, private individual, whatever, um, uh, we have backup experiences as well, like the glass walk experience. Yeah. Um, and so we take that powerful storytelling, powerful metaphors, um, and we connect it and put it all together and create an opportunity for someone to come in and, and trust the process. And if they do, uh, they can make incredible changes in their life. Yeah, I know uh, my brother and his wife went to one of the fire walking experience. And so I know um, they told me all the good stuff that took place there. <laughs> so um, uh, one of our customs, Dave, is to go back. Uh, when we came onto this planet, we resided in a location for a few years of our life as we are moving through one of those. The first one that we reside in is the family unit. And um, invite us into your family. What was sure. that like um, as you are an observer there? And uh, what did you notice and uh, uh, grab for yourself? Uh, well, you know, let me go deep. Uh, let me, yeah. as they say, let me tear the scab off and, and what I'm about, what I'm about ready to tell you and your audience, uh, Ken is not pretty. I'm not proud of it. Uh, yeah. however it is what helped me get to where I am today, every single part of it. Yeah. Um, two months before I was born, my biological father, uh, we don't know exactly what happened, but he hurt his head and to save his life, they put a plate in his head. Mm -hmm. Well, it also took his life. And the reason be is because there was a lot of pain associated with this plate. Yeah. And um, so two months before I was born, you know, he had talked about he didn't know how much longer he could take it. And he told my mom this all the time. And um, he said he was going to the grocery store one day and we never saw or heard from him again. 
So we, my mom had to assume that he took his own life because yeah. he talked about it. So when I was born, I was born to a single mom. She already had yeah. two other boys. Uh, she was living with her mother, my grandmother, and another cousin. There were six of us living in a one-bedroom apartment in Hollywood, California. My mom was working up the street at the Roosevelt Hotel. She was a server. My mom came from, I believe, the ultimate generation on Earth, uh, the generation that came through the Great Depression, the same generation that fought World War II World and won. II. Mm-hmm. Um, so while all the men were off fighting the war, my, my, the father that raised me, uh, was in Europe fighting the Nazis. My best friend's dad, uh, was in, in Pearl Harbor fighting the Japanese. Mm-hmm. And so while the men were out defending the country and fighting for freedom, the women were home doing everything, <laughs> they, yeah. you know, yeah. they, they <laughs> did it all. If it wasn't for the women in America, this, you know, the whole world would have been turned upside down. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they built tanks and they built Jeeps and they built munitions. And my mom, my biological mother was actually known as Rosie the Riveter. Uh, that's what, <laughs> right. That's what they referred to the women who wow. built airplanes back in those days. <clears throat> she, she drove rivets in, into the wings of, of airplanes. And so that's what she did. So she knew hard work. She knew how yeah. to be resourceful. She knew if something broke, you don't throw it away, you fix it. She knew how to do everything, right? There was yeah. cleaning and cooking and gardening and sewing clothes. I mean, back in those days, you did everything, right? Yeah. And she yeah. was the youngest of eight kids. Wow. So, you know, mom worked her butt off. She tried to do, you know, the best she could. But the, by the time I was five, though, she, she knew that she couldn't do it anymore. She just wasn't yeah. able to make ends meet. So she did a really loving thing. She went to her oldest sister. Um, and she said, will you and Bob, your husband, my aunt and uncle, will you adopt David? And they, they both said, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And they did. So I moved from Hollywood to Long Beach. Wonderful. Incredible yeah. people. Um, uh, and for the first five, six years of my life with them, it was spectacular. We yeah. went camping. We went all over Southern California. Big Bear, Lake Arrowhead, Lake Havasu, Yosemite. I mean, we went everywhere. It was a, yeah. it was incredible. Well, on the first day of summer, 1964, um, they, I'm, you know, they, mom came and got me and said, David, come in the kitchen. We need to speak with you. So I'm thinking they're going to tell me where we're going to go camping. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's not what happened. What happened was uh, my mom put her hand on my hand and with tears in her eyes. Uh, she looked at me and she said, with my dad sitting right across the table, she said, David, what we need to tell you is we're not your parents. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Of yeah. course you're my parents. I, I don't understand. That's like taking somebody outside and seeing the sky's blue and go, yeah, the sky's not blue. Yeah. That looks pretty yeah. blue to me. You know, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, you look like my parents to me. Yeah. And uh, so and then she even went on to say, and by the way, your Aunt Dean, you call her Aunt Dean. Yeah, she's actually your mother. And, you know, what's wow. interesting about that moment, Ken, I was like, I don't even like her. And <laughs> and the reason I didn't like her and it's not yeah. that I didn't like her. I just when she was around me, it was weird. Yeah. And, and, and what was weird is she always wanted to be next to me. She wanted to sit next to me. She wanted to touch me. She wanted to hold me. She wanted to hug me. Well, duh. Yeah, I'm her yeah. son. Yeah. But I yeah. but I didn't but I didn't, didn't know. know that, right? Yeah. I didn't know that in the moment. 
Mm-hmm. And so finding out later was kind of eye-opening, actually. Um, and shortly after they told me this, literally within maybe a week, two weeks, I don't remember the exact timeline, they both started drinking. And that's wow. when, and drinking alcohol. That's mm-hmm. when my life took a really hard turn. And one day when they went to the store, back in those days in the 50s and 60s, you left your kids home. Yeah, yeah. It was no big deal, right? <laughs> yeah. You just call the neighbor across the street and say, hey, Joanne, mm-hmm. Bob and I are going to the grocery store. If David needs anything, can he come knock on the door? You know, yeah, of course, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and you could do that, right? So um, when they went to the store that day, I knew where the booze was. And I wanted to know what the yeah. hell this stuff was. And they were hiding it in plain sight. It was in a cabinet. I knew it. Yeah. And so I went over, opened it up, took it out, looked at it. It was a bottle of uh, a half gallon of brandy. And Ken, I took a coffee cup, I filled it up about halfway, and boom, I drank it. And you know what? I never had a chance. Yeah. I mean, literally, I believe I was an alcoholic right on the spot. Now, alcoholism (laughs) was already running through my family. Yeah. Um, And so it it certainly didn't spare me, that's for sure. I started thinking and acting alcoholically uh, from the very beginning. And so things escalated from there. By the time I was a junior in high school, excuse me, yeah, junior in high school, uh, they pulled me into the principal's office one day and said, Alvin, you're out. You're done. We're expelling you from our school. Well, they, they did the right thing. I was dangerous yeah. uh, to myself and people around me. And uh, by that time, I'd already gotten, in, you know, I'd already been influenced with drugs, with cocaine mm-hmm. and heroin and anything, you know, anything yeah. that would help try to avoid pain or gain pleasure. That's what I was doing. Very addictive yeah. behavior. Um, and to move this forward, um, on June 8th of 1988, um, I was married to a woman who had three kids and they Mm -hmm. were my stepkids. And when I woke up that morning, I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. I'm living in the basement. They're living upstairs because they didn't want to be around me. And I don't blame them. That particular morning, that was it. The pain was excruciating. I was in a, I was an emotional wreck. I was in such physical pain. Um, because you have to drink constantly to try to keep your body normal. And I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. And the only thought I had in that moment was put a bullet in your head. That'll be real easy. You're not going to feel anything. Boom. It'll be over. And as I loaded the pistol and put it in my mouth, it dawns on me. Hey, you know what? When you pull that trigger, those three kids upstairs that you love, guess what that's going to do to them? It's going to kill them too. And you can't do that. You don't have a right to do that. That's wrong. Figure out another way, pal. And the next thing I knew, the thought was, well, call Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. And you know what's interesting about that moment, Ken, is that I had no idea who AA was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who they, who's, who's Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any, I don't know anybody in AA. Yeah. I've never been to an AA meeting. So where did yeah. that thought come from? Yeah. Other than it was divine, divinely yes. put into my head. So yeah. I did. I called. And I got this wonderful woman on the phone. And I've and over the years of talking about her, I've affectionately nicknamed her Madge. Um, and the reason I did is because she talked like this. <laughs> she she probably smoked two packs of Palm Oil non-filters a day. <laughs> and she was the gatekeeper. Yeah. In other words, it was her job to talk to somebody that would call in and she'd make the decision whether they sent somebody out to come help you pick you up or take you to a meeting. And so apparently I must have done a pretty decent job of convincing her that I needed help. 
Yeah. And so she called a guy and he came out and picked me up. And uh, this guy, this man, Lauren, stayed with me all day. Uh, I went to four meetings that day. Yeah. In a, 12, 30, 36, 30, and 8, 30. And then when I was there, they gave me a big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and they all signed it. Uh, it was an all men's group, by the way. It was in, yeah. uh, in Fairfax, Virginia, called the Stepping Stones Group of Alcoholics Anonymous. And so in the book, they wrote in there, before you take that first drink, call one of us. And they put their first name and their phone number. And so that was day one. And I went home and I didn't take a drink that, that next day. Yeah. And so one day turned into a week, a week turned into a month, a month. At a month, I, they gave me one of these. And it said yeah. one month of continuous sobriety. Then they gave me one at two months, three months, six months, nine months, and one year. In fact, uh, this last June 8th of this year, I picked up a chip for 35 years. So what happened was, as I was getting sober, I had insomnia, and I'm up late all the time. You know, Mm -hmm. my sleep patterns were all over the place. And there I am in 1988, 3 o'clock in the morning, watching television, watching an infomercial. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Enthusiasm himself, the, <laughs> the, the king of Gunthy Ranker, right? Yeah. There he is, a young, vibrant Tony Robbins is <laughs> selling his program called Personal yeah. Power. Mm-hmm. And it's a 30-day program for total success. Well, to be candid with you, Ken, I couldn't stand the guy. He was yeah. all pompous and motivated, and I'm like, I can't stand this guy. What a jerk. <laughs> but he, But he said a couple things that got me. The one thing he said was, we'll do more to avoid pain than we will to gain pleasure. And I remember thinking, that's exactly why I drank. I was either trying to get some pleasure or avoid pain. Mm -hmm. And then, but what what sold me on the program is he said, you know, the way we make decisions, we, there's two, there's two different ways. One, we make them either out of inspiration or desperation. Yeah. And I'm I'm like pretty desperate, right? (laughs) So I broke out my American Express card, bought the program. They sent it to me, came in a big box, and it, and it was a month-long program. So you listen to one tape a day yeah. for four weeks. And it came on these little, came on these little white things called cassette tapes. <laughs> right? I actually had Tony's cassette tapes. <laughs> oh, well, you just aged yourself, Ken. Yeah, man, yeah. So, yeah, no, I plugged him in. I did what the man taught yeah. me to do, and guess what? Yeah. It worked. Yeah, I started making all kinds of changes. I was in a really bad marriage. I had to get out. I had to figure out an exit strategy. Um, you know, I was I was overweight. I started working out. Uh, I started my own business. I mean, things just I was doing what the man taught me to do, and it was working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of my buddies in AA noticed, and he's like, "Hey, man, what's going on with you?" And I go, "Oh, you know, nothing. I've been listening to this Tony Robbins guy." And he goes, "Oh, hey, man, I know who Tony is. I got his book." But I never read it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, how often does that show up in your life, right? Um, so anyway, um, like um, I had my program and I said, well, hey, man, listen, if you promise me you'll go through it, I'll loan you my program. Yeah. And he said, I promise. And so he did. Well, seven years later, right now, it's like 1995. That was 1988. Mm-hmm. He calls me on the phone and said, hey, man, did you know that Tony Robbins is coming to town? I said, no, man, I didn't have a clue. And he yeah. goes, you got to go with me. You got me into this, man. So come on, you got to go with me. All right, I'll go with you. Great, I'll call you back. Yeah. He calls me back an hour later and he goes, done. We pick up the tickets nice. at will call. Mm-hmm. And here's what they told us to do. Number one, hydrate. You got to stay hydrated. This is a four-day event. You got to yeah. drink a lot of water throughout the entire program. Number two, bring snacks. You're going to spend a lot of time in the room. 
and then bring a good attitude and be ready to play full out. Yeah. Well, Dan, how much was the ticket? He said six hundred ninety-five dollars. <laughs> this is in nineteen ninety-five, right? Yeah. It's like seven hundred dollars, really. <laughs> and I'm and I'm like, I, I, and you know, what does that equate to today? I, you know, yeah, yeah. like seven point two million. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Buy Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Um. So anyway, um, as he's getting ready to get off the phone, he goes, "Oh wait, hey man, I forgot to tell you something. The most important part." We're going to be doing a fire walk. <laughs> and I, and I'm not saying anything to Dan, but in my head, I'm going, oh, hell no. No, 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 no. Fire walk. I didn't know what fire walk was. Yeah. I don't know what that means. You know, I, I don't know. Right. But here, when fire and walk go together, I'm like, no. <laughs> right. I make it, I, I'm making almost all of my decisions are based on fear at this, yeah. this time of my life. So yeah. fire walk didn't sound like anything I wanted to do. So. But I didn't say anything to Dan. I just went, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, Dan Firewalk. Yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the big day comes and we get there. And Tony took the stage at two o'clock in the afternoon. And the next thing I know, it's after midnight. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I've been in a room for 10 hours with Tony Robbins, right? Wow. Remember the part, bring snacks or you'll mm -hmm. starve to death? Yeah, well, that came <laughs> yeah. true. So um, next thing you know, again, it's after midnight. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Tony goes, take your shoes off. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 pal. I see where you're going with that. I'm not falling for that. Yeah. Well, I'm in a room with 3,500 people. Mm -hmm. Guess what they're doing? Yeah. They're taking their shoes taking off. Taking their shoes off, yeah. So I, so now the dilemma on me is what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to walk you out there the with your one. shoes on and everybody <laughs> see you? No, 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 no. We can't have that. Yeah. So then I'm like negotiating with myself, right? I'm like, okay, well, just take your shoes off. Calm down. No big deal. And when you get out there, go hide in the back. <laughs> Nobody's going to know, right? I mean, yeah. well, okay, hold on. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to know. But so what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, well, it gets worse because when he's got you going out there, he's got everybody <laughs> chanting and clapping. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thirty five hundred people doing this. They're all saying yes. Yeah. I'm walking out there going, no, uh -uh, I'm not doing this. You're not tricking me, pal. There's no way. Well, it gets worse. Yeah. Because when you get outside into this big parking lot where you're going to mm -hmm. firewalk logistically 3,500 people, he's got African drummers. Yeah. Oh, come on. <laughs> really? Dun, 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 dun. You know, yes, yes. Oh, gosh, you got to be kidding me. So when you get out there, they've got a giant fire that's been burning all day. Mm -hmm. They've got a pit, and that pit's 35 feet wide, probably 70 feet long. And they just add tons of wood to it all day long. Yeah. Well, after 10 hours, it renders yeah. this big, giant, beautiful pile of coals. Yeah. They're blue. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. I mean, yes. it's just it's so beautiful to, to yeah. see it. And so what they do is, logistically, they take wheelbarrows over to this pit, and they fill the wheelbarrows full of coals. Mm -hmm. And they bring a wheelbarrow, and they... Put it in between two lanes of sod of grass, which yeah. they refer to as a fire lane. Mm -hmm. And fire lane's three feet wide, eighteen feet long. And what they do, they just take a flathead shovel and they sprinkle those coals on top of that grass, and that's what you walk on. Well, where am I? I'm in the back. 
<laughs> I'm having none of it. I'm hiding mm-hmm. out. Well, Tony Robbins knows that the Firewalk experience is without a doubt the most, probably the most life-changing paradigm shifting experience that any human on this planet will ever go through. So he doesn't want you not to do it because it's Mm -hmm. so life changing. And he knows there's a bunch of people like me that are a bunch of cowards (laughs) and he knows where we are. (laughs) So what's he do? He Uh trains people to come get you. (laughs) Oh gosh, really? And so I'm back there thinking I got it all figured out. And here comes this guy. He's coming right at me, right? And he makes eye contact with me, Ken, and mm-hmm. he won't take his eyes off me. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Robbins trains him to do that. Don't take your eyes off of him. Um, he gets 20 feet from me, and he's kind of looking at me funny, like there's something wrong with me. And he goes, are you okay? And when we're not okay, what do we do? We yeah. lie, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm good, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, all good here. Nothing to see here, pal. Move along, right? And he says, so, hey, man, you going to walk tonight? And I'm like, absolutely not. It's almost like, why do you think I'm hiding in the back, you idiot? Yeah. Right? And he goes, hey. And I said it with a lot of, you know, intensity. And he's like, yeah. hey, man, that's cool. No worries. Yeah. We don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. And I went, wow, okay, I like the sound of that. Mm-hmm. He's going to get me out of here. Well, this one stranger, who I don't know to this day, and without him asking me this one question, he changed my entire life. Yeah. I wonder how many times we do that to people out there in the world where we, uh, you know, an, a random act of kindness or a smile or whatever. Because yeah. this guy, and you know, without him, I don't firewalk half a million people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't go do gigs for Google and NASA, Notre Dame, and work for Tony Robbins for almost 20 years. I'm yeah. certainly not on the, you know, the threads of enlightenment show with, <laughs> with Ken, that's for yeah. sure, right? And the question he asked me was, well, wouldn't you at least like to watch? Yeah. And that I'm like, sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't bother me. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. probably going to be hilarious. Let's go watch these people burn their feet yeah. off. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> he said, well, listen, man, you're 100 yards away here. You can't see anything. Yeah. And he's right. I got 3,500 people standing in front of me. I can't see anything. I can yeah. hear it. Mm-hmm. They're clapping. They're yeah. chanting. You know, the drums are going. People are already firewalking, and they're in this celebration, and, and they're jumping up and down and screaming and celebrating. I mean, it's intense, Ken. It's unlike yeah. anything you could ever imagine. I mean, what a dog and pony show this thing is. And uh, he said, well, you know, just get in line. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> you'll get up close enough, you'll be able to see it. Yeah. And in his defense, he's telling the truth. Yeah. So I got in line. And I'm walking along and I'm walking <laughs> along and, you know, it's just dun, 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 yeah, dun, yeah, dun. Yeah. And, you know, you're, the vibration of all this. And all of a sudden, this guy comes up to me and he whispers in my ear. And he said, he knows when you're ready. When he says go, you go. And then pew, this guy just disappeared into the night. Yeah. It's like, what? What, what was that? Who, who was that? What was that for? Right. And so I'm walking along and I'm walking along and all of a sudden I get to a point. I can't see in front of me because I got a thousand people in yeah. front of me, mm-hmm. but I can see it at an angle. Yeah. And Ken, they're doing it. Every yeah. race, every creed, every color, they are walking on fire. And I'm saying to myself, what the hell is wrong with these people? Why <laughs> would you do that? You know, I mean, metaphorically, what's happening here? 
Yeah. And I'm mesmerized. I can't take my eyes off them, right? It's like yeah. a it's like a car wreck, right? You don't want to mm-hmm. stare at it, but you stare at it. But you stare at it. But you stare at it. So I'm looking and I'm watching and I'm watching and I'm watching and I'm walking along and I'm walking along and boom. <laughs> Next thing I know, guess where I am? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm at the front of the line. And I'm looking down at the coals on that fire lane, right? It's about yeah. three feet wide. 15, 18 feet long. The coals have been sprinkled on top. They're glowing bright red. The wheelbarrow's there. You can feel all the heat coming off it. And I'm pretty sure my heart is going to jump right out of my chest. I'm so scared. I've got so much fear going through my body. Yeah. Well, there's a trainer standing there. And all of a sudden, the trainer goes, eyes up. Oh, oh that's right. Okay. That's right. I was in a room with Tony Robbins for 10 hours. What did he teach me to do? Keep my eyes up. Yeah. Don't stare at what you fear. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting concept for life. Yeah. Look to the celebration in. Keep your eyes yeah. on that. Mm-hmm. So now my so now my mm-hmm. you know my eyes are up and he went, squeeze your fist and say yes. And I went, yes. And he went stronger. And I went, yes. <laughs> well, you know what? He could tell. He knew mm-hmm. I was I was not in a peak state. He knew yeah. I was leaving a lot on the table. So what did he do? He screams at me, stronger. Yeah. <laughs> so I threw my hands in the air and I went, yes. And he goes, go, go, go. I took off. Remember the guy came up to me, said, yeah. he knows when you're ready. When he says, yeah. go, you go. Uh-huh. I went. Yeah. Well, here's the first thing I learned about firewalk. When you take the first step, oh, you'll take the second, third, fourth. And fifth. I guarantee you, you are not, you're not stopping. I guarantee you. Well, Tony positions two people at the end of the fire lane, the celebration end to yeah. catch you. Yeah. Right? Heck, I would have walked all the way to Albuquerque at that point. Yeah. Um, and they're like, stop, wipe your feet and celebrate. And I'm wiping my feet and I'm celebrating. And all of a sudden it dawns on me. I've burnt myself really bad. Oh, wow. And I look at my foot and it's dirty, but there's no burns. Wow. I'm, I, I'm hallucinating. There's burns. Oh, it's my yeah. other foot. I look at it. Yeah, it's dirty too, but guess what? No burns. Yeah. I just walked on coals that were a thousand degrees and I didn't burn myself. And I hate to have to admit this, but I didn't have a clue how I did it. I had no yeah. idea, None. <laughs> but I did it. Yeah. Right? You ever done something like this, right? I think we all mm-hmm. have, right? You do something really yeah. cool, really mm-hmm. awesome, but you don't know how you did it. Yes. But you take credit for it. You're like, that's right. Yeah. That's this guy right here. I just walked on hot coals. <laughs> well, now I'm down there with, you know, a couple thousand people and everybody's jumping up and down and they're screaming and they're celebrating. It's exhilarating. Yeah. Nothing like it on earth. In fact, I'm like, where's the bus? Let's go <laughs> climb Mount Everest. You know, come on, you guys, let's go. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is here's where it gets interesting was the next day. Yeah. By the way, this is day one, the night of, of a four-day event. Now it's day yeah. two. Mm-hmm. We're all in the foyer getting ready to go into the venue to see Tony again. And I'm watching these people. And to this day, Ken, I've never seen or witnessed anything like it. It's so beautiful. Because yeah. people were, we were all connected. Because yeah. of the experience last night, our self-belief, our self-confidence, and our self-worth and our vibration had been raised. Yeah. And so I'm watching them. And, you know, people are laughing, they're crying, Mm -hmm. they're hugging, uh, they're communicating 
humanistically yeah. like anything I've ever experienced in my life. It was beautiful. And so, you know, we all drank the Kool-Aid the night before. And so now we're all like together as one, right? Yeah. Well, later in the event, I met one of Tony's trainers, a guy by the name of Ted Macy, super beautiful human being. I love this man to death and his wife, Mary, both trainers for Tony. And I'm talking to him and he's a really cool dude. And I made the comment. I said, you know, it must be really awesome to be able to be in this environment on a regular basis. And he goes, oh, mm. you better believe it. Anytime yeah. you can get in this environment, come in, get into it. Because it's so motivating and inspiring and uplifting, right? Yeah. Because we're an environment, you know, we are a product of our environment. Mm -hmm. And so um, he said, uh, as a matter of fact, you see all those people standing over there with the black shirts and the pink lettering on the back? Yeah. He goes, dude, they're volunteers. They're just like wow. you. They came to an event, came to a firewalk, and wanted to come back and help volunteer to help facilitate the event. Yeah, And he says, so listen, when you get home, call Robin's Research, tell them you want a volunteer crew application. Mm -hmm. They'll send it to you, fill it out, send it back. Keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, I did. Nine weeks after I sent it out, I got a letter in the middle. It said, Dave Alvin, congratulations. You've been selected to crew with the Anthony Robbins companies. Nice. Well, holy smokes. There <laughs> I am. My foot's in the door. Yeah. Now, they evaluate you by what you fill out on the application. I had a military mm -hmm. background. I had a security background. So they put me on the security team to help take care of Tony's celebrities, which yeah. there are many that have yeah. shown up at these events. The other thing is I, were, I lived on a farm at the time. And so I knew how to use tools. Mm -hmm. I knew how to use a hatchet. I knew how to yeah. use a log splitter, yeah. which could come in handy on the fire building team. <laughs> yeah. Right. So there I was, 1995, you know, I'm I'm crewing voluntarily with the Anthony Robbins companies. Now, when you volunteer and I did that about a half a dozen times, you have to pay your own way. Yeah. you got to yeah. pay your airfare, depending on where you're going, your hotel, your food, your travel, all of it. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm spending about two thousand dollars every time I did that. Yeah. Well, my wife is like, whoa, stop. Hold it. Who the hell is this Tony Robbins guy? You're spending $2,000 every time you go. Yeah. She didn't know anything about him. Bless her heart. Mm -hmm. she, you know, she didn't know. She had no references, right? And so uh, shortly after that, after I crewed, they actually offered me a subcontractor's position. So wow. I was going to be on the security team and I was going to be on the fire building team to help with that as the assistant mm -hmm. captain. And they paid my way. They paid yeah. my airfare, my hotel, per diem. They covered all my expenses. Well, they also did a very smart thing. They gave me a free ticket, yeah. which I gave to my wife. <laughs> and she got to come with me to an event. Yeah. And after the event, you know, we were walking on the beach that night. It was like one o'clock in the morning. She looked at me and she goes, okay, I get it. I drank the Kool-Aid. I get it. I, I see why you want to do this. You know, yeah. you want to run with this Tony Robbins guy, you go. And so she opened the door. Yeah. And, and and then a couple of years later, after this all went down in 2003, Tony literally offered me the captain's position, yeah. which meant that I would take over all of Tony's firewalks globally. Yeah. And uh, because I homeschooled and there was some conflict there, he went ahead and paid for me to for my family to travel with us. Yeah. So now yeah. me, my wife and my two kids are on the road with Tony Robbins. Wow. Um, spectacular. And we homeschool, yeah. right? So yeah. their school got to go on the road with them. In fact, yeah. their first event was Sydney, Australia. 
Wow. And um, and then so that all happened in 2003, 2005. We go to London. We set the world record. We firewalk 12,300 people. I do want to disclose that Guinness Book of World Records was not there. But I can yeah. tell you that's the biggest firewalk that's ever taken place in the world. And the only firewalk that comes any close to that would be another Tony Robbins seminar. And then from there in 2014, I'm driving down the road one day and my phone rings and it's Google. Mm. <laughs> hmm. Wow. What can I do for you guys? Well, are you the Dave Albin that does the firewalks for Tony Robbins? Yeah. What can I do for you? And they said, well, if you're not under any contractual obligation or non-compete, we'd like to talk to you about hiring you. And I'm like, oh, well, homeboy's a free agent. What you got going? <laughs> okay. What you got? <laughs> well, they had 148 executives that were going to graduate from this nine-month curriculum that they were in. Yes. And they wanted to create a powerful, life-changing experience to anchor in what they had just gone through. Yeah. Get it? Google knows. They knew they mm -hmm. wanted to create something really powerful, a paradigm yeah. shift. So once, but they wanted to do it during the day. And I said, well, we can't do that. I won't do that. You don't do firewalks during the day. I can't see the coals. Yeah. I need to see what color they are. I need to be able yeah. to see them. And uh, we just can't do it. It's a safety issue. Yeah. Tell you what we could do. We could do a glass walk. Mm -hmm. and they're like a glass walk, you know, <laughs> like walking on broken glass. <laughs> yeah. They're like, ooh, tell us about that. <laughs> so um, next thing I know, there I am, man. I'm in Mountain View. And uh, uh, I'm doing a glass walk for Google. Went back the following year, did it again. Uh, while I was at Google, uh, during one of the lunches, uh, one of the executives came up to me and we're talking. Well, actually, she was sitting at my table where yeah. we're having lunch. And she said, hey, man, I, I want to share something with you. You know, we know you work for Tony and, you know, we know pretty much everything about you. They are Google. They know everything, yeah. right? They said, hey, you might want to think about starting your own business. There's a huge mm -hmm. marketplace for you. Corporate America will eat you alive because wow. they need something that creates that kind of powerful, life-changing shift. Yeah. And if you can do it collectively where you can take a team and do that for them, he said, your phone's going to ring off the hook. And they were right. And so I yeah. did. I started Firewalk Productions in 2014. And then right after that, you know, I was at NASA. Then I went to Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Remax, Microsoft, Heineken, Chick-fil-A, YMCA. And wow. uh, heck, the next thing I know, I'm on the uh, Threads of Enlightenment podcast. Right? So <laughs> you just don't know where something like that's going to take you. And, Dave, uh, let me ask you something. Here you are in the midst of all of that power and um, you seeing and witnessing the changes, the, the, um, you, what was, how was Dave handling that? Watching this night after night, day after day, uh, experiencing at that level, what was happening to you as an individual with your personal stuff, your personal interaction with yourself being um, at the top, if you will? Um, well, I think the first major shift that I noticed is, you know, when I walked up to those coals that night to, yeah. to walk, um, I was carrying who I was in that moment. Yeah. And, and Dave was a, was a guy that fear was controlling his entire life. Yeah. Right. Fear. What do we, what's the acronym? Forget everything and run. Yeah. Right. Or as we say in Alcoholics Anonymous, false images appearing real. The moment, 
four seconds later, when I got to the other side Mm -hmm. and I'm celebrating like crazy, that paradigm shift was I went from forget everything and run to face everything and rise. Yeah. So my life changed that quickly. And that's what happens. It just does, right? Because the fears we don't, the fears we don't face become our limits. Yeah. And we know that what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you. Mm-hmm. You just don't sit in a seminar and your life change. It doesn't happen. You yeah. got to create emotion with motion. Yeah. And that's what creates, that's what re- rewires your brain. And so, you know, AA helped me with the gratitude side of things. Mm-hmm. So as I was coming together in AA and coming together in the personal development industry at the same time, gratitude was out in front. Yeah. I was like, holy, are you kidding me? Look what I get to do. Yeah. I'm... In this environment, it's positive. My family's with me. We're on the road. Um, I'm I'm around a a huge influencer. Uh, Proximity, we've got all kinds of celebrities. I mean, it was just, it was, you know, it was a fairy tale. Yeah. And I really, I really held on to, to, to gratitude. And because of that, I was able to deal with a lot of other things like, you know, to go back like my dad, right? My biological Mm -hmm. father never saw the man, never don't know anything about him, but I chose gratitude and I chose to love him and honor him that he did the best he could at the time, at that moment, in that time. I don't know what kind of pain he was going through. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who knows? So I chose to love him and I chose to be grateful for him. And that was a big, that was a really big thing for me because what that did is it opened me up to years a couple of years ago i think it was in 2018 i'm here in boone north carolina i live about mm-hmm. 20 minutes west and my son was going to app state and so i went over and we went out to dinner and i'm sitting there at one of our you know mike seafood a nice place and we're sitting there and, and when the server comes up i always treat them like with love and kindness, like yeah. you wouldn't believe, right? Because my mom was a server. So my I mom knew, was a server too, and I right? did the same. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I tip them well. I talk yep. to them. I encourage them. I inspire them. Yeah. So I'm doing all that, and I'm having dinner, and all of a sudden I look up at my son, I look back down, and I go, oh, my gosh. I'm having dinner with my dad's grandson, and I can <laughs> see my dad in my yeah. son's eyes. Yeah. Oh, it was so magical. Yeah. And it was like, there was my gift. Yeah. And that kind of like, you know, uh, uh, you know, when you go through life and you think that you're never going to ever see your dad, uh, yeah. uh, you're never even going to see a picture of him. You're not, you don't even know what he looks like. Got his name. Got his mm-hmm. name on my birth certificate. Right. Uh, but that moment was so magical. And I truly believe, Ken, that that moment was created because I chose to love and respect and honor and show gratitude towards my biological father. Yeah. And so, you know, it's in our moments of decision that our destinies are shaped. Absolutely. So choose wisely, right? Yeah. And so that kind of just led the way. Um, yeah. uh, I, I have moments, uh, I have, I call them gratitude, emotional floods. Yeah. I'm sometimes, I'm so grateful for my life, I can't even see straight. And it, and it's programmed me. It's, it's, yeah, it it's is one of, Dave, it is one of the most powerful forces out there that people need to practice. It is, it will, like you did, it is a paradigm shifting um, way that you can bring into your life. And when you do that, Dave, things happen really, really quickly 
it's amazing how doors swing open when one walks in a state of uh, gratitude. I mean, it just swings door open. And I tell people all the time to open yourself to gratitude because it moves mountains in seconds and bring that into your space and your life will change. It's one of the most powerful things. I, I teach all the time that the two most important times in anyone's life is the moment they're born and the moment they figure out why. Yeah. And so if you cr- when you create a powerful purpose for that moment and you use gratitude, uh, you can pretty much have whatever you want. Yeah, you I believe that if you, if you help enough people get what they want, you already said this earlier, if you help yeah. enough people get what they want in life, you'll always get what you want. It's just a, oh, yeah. it's a, it's a universal code. Yes. Um, you know, one of my mentors said something to me a long time ago. Never forgot it. And I, and I teach it to this day. And that is, he said, you know, every human on this planet has two lives. And the second one starts when you realize you have, you have only one. Yeah. Um, and so that was really That's an powerful, interesting yeah. shift yeah. for me. Yeah. And so, so now my company, you know, I'm, we get to go out and do this. And, uh, you know, when we started back in 2014, no pun intended, but we've been going hot and heavy ever since. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is a um tony actually um was one of the catalysts in my life i drank up all of his stuff because i was i was a single dad corporate guy and um i listened to his tapes and stuff it was always in my car running all the time i brought my kids up on yeah. the same thing um uh, the nlp piece when he shifted there all of that stuff was a part of my life um and still is uh, that I practice and so forth. I remember when I started listening to him on that and I went and, um, my first, if you will, try out, <laughs> uh, David was for a job interview and Tony, I listened to his tape and he talked about getting there and getting into that, uh, uh thinking with the person, you know, you yeah. in that state where you begin to breathe and, and all of the stuff. And by the end of that interview, um, he and I were, uh, were best friends. And um, <laughs> yeah. I got, that was one of the very first uh, um, NLP when I practiced that to get that job. It was how I moved in my entire life. It, it just, that's, that's how I moved to this day. Yeah. And so I tell people, get into uh, uh, people's space get into you like those that are listening to us Dave has been exposed to much and I know he's on a time strain here but I want to tell you guys when you are around that type of mindset you can only grow more and more and if you guys when you guys see him and as you'll see what a um, constant remodeling and reimagining of you can look like and it looks like uh dave and he can help you assist you in the fire walking is just one aspect you have the glass and he has other ways by which he can reach you and assist you to face those fears because your blessings i tell people is beyond that and when you have to as he stated you have to look up and see the finish line and walk on those those uh, hot coal and you are not going to get burned because you have put yourself in a state of just power 
And when you get there, walking on, on, on coal and glass is not going to hurt you because you're in that state of power. And I got someone that can usher you guys there because he's been there. He understands the principle. It is how he walks and think. And the fact that he has added gratitude on that. Whoa, I got myself a power broker right in front of me. And I want you guys, I'm going to provide everything again because I know uh, Dave has to run. Uh, I'm going to provide everything for you guys to get into his space because you need to get there and uh, see who you are because that's what Dave does. He helps you to see who you are and what you're capable of doing, man. Uh, Dave, I know, like I said, I know you're on a time crunch. I want to thank you so much, man, for coming yeah. here. And it's my pleasure. Um, and maybe I'll close with this. Um, you know, state management is everything. It's really yeah. what it boils down to be. And I and I learned a long time ago that life is never as good as it seems. Life is never as bad as it seems. Reality is somewhere in the middle. Go find it. Yeah. And then finally, I would say, uh, you know, just just stop looking for heroes and just be one. Yeah. I agree. 100%. Thank you, man. I know you got to do your thing. Yeah, bro. I, Absolutely. We'll I do it deeply again. appreciated this. Okay. Sure. My pleasure. All right.